0: I have a very long list of reasons why I can't wait to see Donald Trump leave office. But probably number one on that list has got to be we will finally be rid of the fuck shit, which is the word of the week. Now, Donald Trump is going to make this departure as painful as possible. We knew because he's the most ghetto president we've ever had that he wasn't going to go quietly he was going to do his damnedest to make this the worst breakup in presidential history. I mean, I hope the White House got a security deposit because he seemed like the type that's going to try to take the doorknobs, the dishes, all of that shit. So as of the taping of this podcast, Donald Trump has not accepted his defeat. He has not conceded. Far from it, in fact, he has called the entire election a fraud and has filed 11 lawsuits in probably will be more, to challenge the election results in various states, as in the states that he is losing or has flat out lost. He is gaslighting his supporters with these fraud claims, and now they protesting across the country on behalf of their favorite con man and also pouring money into his legal defense fund. Listen, if you give Donald Trump any money to defend these frivolous, unproven democracy undercutting claims, then just like your outgoing president, you are a clown. There is no voter fraud. There is no funny business going on. There is no dark plot underway. This motherfucker just lost, plain and simple. And his own ego won't allow him to comprehend the fact that millions of people wanted him to fuck up out of the White House. And now we have to watch as he completely undermines our democracy and tries to run a bootleg ass coup. Now, I expect Donald Trump to always be on some fuck shit. But the truly disappointing part of this is how the rest of the Republican Party has fallen right in line with the fuck shit. As of now, only three Republicans have acknowledged through congratulations that Joe Biden has actually won the presidency. Mitch McConnell, who I think is the worst person in politics, took to the Senate floor on Monday and defended Trump's legal buffoonery. McConnell repeated what has become the new favorite phrase of all of the GOP that all legal votes should be counted. Apparently, what that means is if you voted against Republicans, then your vote doesn't count. Because here's what makes all of this so absurd. Republicans actually gained seats in the House of Representatives, and they kept critical Senate seats in Maine and South Carolina. All of those races were on the same damn ballot So whoever is pulling off this nefarious voter fraud is somehow able to single out only the presidential race, but not the Senate races or the House of Representative races. I mean, if Democrats were really going to cheat, don't you think they would cheat all the way down the fucking ballot, not just with one race? I'll have more on this later, but this is why this idea that Joe Biden has to come in and ingratiate himself with Republicans is just so fucking stupid. Republicans do everything they can to stand in the way of progress. And they do whatever they need to in order to suppress the will of the people, because their values, their desires and their bloodthirsty penchant for control is more important than what's best for the rest of the country. That's some fuck shit. The word of the week. Okay, I'm glad I got all those cuss words out of my system because I will not curse again until fuck it, I'm bothered. That's because today I have on a young prodigy who should not be exposed to my foul mouth. She is far too brilliant, too driven, too ambitious, and just a way better person than I am. My guest started a lemonade business at four years old, and a decade later, she has sold over a million bottles, and her lemonade is featured in a 1,000 stores nationwide. She's also an author. She was featured on Shark Tank. Damon John has invested in her business, as well as a number of NFL players. She is just 15 years old and already a boss, literally. So we're about to learn some things. Coming up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered, entrepreneur. Michaela Omer Ah uh, so Michaela I need some advice from you not necessarily business advice although I probably could use some of that too but you um you have a book Be Fearless I'm in the process of Writing my own manuscript or finishing revising my own manuscript. So, what tips do you have for uh, those of us who haven't quite been published yet about writing a book?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, this is this is my first experience in writing a book. I would say I would say dig through your contacts. I that's what we had to do a lot of is digging through contacts for people who we knew through me and the bees and like keeping them updated, whether it was media or customers or like friends and family, because when you write a book, you you have to let everyone like it's a really big announcement. So I would say prepare, organize contact lists. That's not the most fun thing, but that's an important one.
0: No, that is pretty important. And if it worked for you, I'm sure it will work for me. But that's an amazing accomplishment. The fact, I mean, on top of all the other million things that you've been able to accomplish to be able to write a book, um, what made you decide that you wanted to write a book?
1: So I have started and grown Me and the Bees and I've had some really amazing experiences along the way and also learned some things that I would like to share with other people. And so usually I had done that through um, like talking with organizations, traveling to schools and public speaking, but also I'm a student. So I can't really accept every single opportunity that uh, I get awarded. I get, I get offered to. And so I think when a book agent contacted us and said, would you be interested in writing a book? It it kind of clicked that, hey, this could be a way to reach an audience or inspire a whole new group of people that I normally wouldn't have been able to reach. And so that's what got me started. And then it was, what do we want to put in this book? Do we want it to be images or like a graphic novel? Um, Do I want to talk about the bees or about business or about both?
0: Mm. So what was was the the start to finish what was the time span that it took you from ideation to it's published
1: I think I think it was a year and a half (laughs) because it started with agent coming up with what content we want who we're going to write it to and then it was writing getting on calls because I went once we started I realized I'm not gonna be able to do this whole process on my own and so we got some help but we it was Like writing in documents, phone calls, interviews, just to get my story on paper and then going and fishing for past photos and like past contacts to get the story right. But it was a year and a half Then it was edits and then more edits and then more edits and then book launch came around and it was just a lot of meeting people and uh, because of COVID doing Zooms and book signings like this.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you uh, I know some people are not familiar with your story, so I'm going to unfortunately force you to tell it another time because I know that you have told this story six thousand times about how you got into um, creating your own company and creating a very delicious lemonade might I add which is fascinating it started from what an, an event that most people don't like to experience which is getting stung by a bee and you unfortunately got stung twice by a bee uh, which sent you down this path so for those who have not heard how um, You originated the idea to produce lemonade using um, honeybees as opposed to sugar, like most of us Uh, start at the beginning and tell people what happened.
1: The fun thing about telling my story is I always, I guess I always add a different thing each time. So that's one thing that keeps it cool. But I started when I was four and a half. I signed up in the local business fair in Austin, which happens each year. And it's where kids can come up with a business idea and sell a product. And so at my school, There was a poster for it. My parents decided to allow me to sign up because I asked them a bunch of questions about it. And so over the summer, I had to figure out what product I was gonna create and sell. And so over the summer, I got a cookbook from my great-granny Helen for flaxseed lemonade. And it was like this 1940s cookbook. The binding was falling off, and there were like, like notes and markups all in the pages of her favorite recipes. But one of them was flaxseed lemonade that we tried with my family, and it tasted pretty good. And another thing that happened that same summer was I got sung by a bee, and then less than a week later, at another family event, I got sung by a bee again. And I, that was pretty scary for me. I thought I was going to get sung by a bee all the time, like for the rest of the summer, or at at least for a while. And so my parents said, how about you do a little bit of research on them? Or how about you learn about the bees? I reluctantly did that, like through animated videos and picture books, but I learned that the bees are pretty important. Like they pollinate a lot of the fruits and vegetables, and even they contribute to like the dairy, and things that I like to eat every day. And I also knew that they were dying. And so That's where the idea for me and the bees came from. It was, I want to do honey sweet lemonade and donate a portion to organizations that help save the bees. And I would do this through my great granny Helens recipe.
0: Oh, wow. So um, your great grandmother, when you got the recipes that it's, I assume she was still living, obviously. Um, So what does she think about you turning all of this into, you know, you making it for yourself?
1: I think she was she she said. I'm sorry. I think she was really really proud of me and of my idea. And I didn't I didn't just copy the recipe, but I did get inspiration from the flaxseed part because I had never heard of flaxseed in lemonade. I remember asking my mom, "What does it do?" And she's like, "It helps keep you going." But it was it was like a new twist for lemonade. And that I got from my great granny Helen. Some some of the things in her cookbook, like ingredients like lard, I had also never heard of. And those were new to me. Oh, you mean the, that she cooked other things with like yes, lard? Yes, yes, okay. yes. One of her ingredients. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I remember when we got the product into bottles, we brought it to her. And the story was on the back of the bottle. And it had her, great granny Helen's 1940s cookbook and we were reading it aloud to her because she couldn't read it, but we were reading it aloud to her. And she was just smiling and saying like, you know, I'm always so proud of you. So that, that was a really cool memory. And also the fact that we were able to get it into stores in South Carolina, which is where she's from South Carolina um, while she was alive was also amazing because like she got to see the bottle and then see it get into a store near her.
0: Oh, wow. So, uh, you start from there and then, um, you know, a lot of people may have obviously they may recognize you from being on, on Shark Tank Uh where uh, I think you were nine
1: when you were on Shark Tank
0: or were you younger than that?
1: Yes, I, I was nine when I went on about to turn 10 and I think it was 10 when I when it aired.
0: So you go on Shark Tank, which just as the show uh, title suggests, it is it is you know, kind of a intimidating experience and uh, you don't often see a lot of kids on there. I mean, the adults look petrified and you just look so smooth and natural with it. Uh, And Damon John decides to to invest uh, in your company uh, to invest $60,000. I believe that was the investment. So what did that mean for you uh, in terms of boosting your confidence that here you have this very successful business businessman who has decided to give you a $60,000 investment?
1: You kinda of said it. It was boost it boosted my confidence. Cause it took a lot of confidence to get on in I guess in the shark in the shark tank in the first place. It was at first when we the African American Chamber of Commerce reached out to us and said, Would you be interested? And my parents were like, No, we've seen the sharks, they can be brutal. It doesn't matter if it's a kid, they can still be brutal. And they didn't want me to stop selling me in the bees or be sweet at the time just because I got nose from a shark. And after a little bit of convincing, my parents let me do the first audition and it was, it took a lot of building of confidence, like getting the pitch, pitching to family and friends, and then to pe- like people who we knew had businesses and getting feedback on that, some of that pretty harsh feedback and just actually changing the pitch. And we landed a deal and we sparked the interest of uh, Mr. Damon John, who's been like an investor and a mentor since the show. But... I think the main one was the main opportunity that it brought was getting the product known because that was, that was really the first opportunity on national TV before that we were in maybe around, around 26 stores in Texas. And uh, what Shark Tank allowed us to do is get more coverage, which then turned into people reaching out to the store saying, Hey, why don't you have this product? I want to carry it in my store.
0: So now um, me and the bees uh, give us the diagnostics, how many stores, how many, you know, bottles sold, all the, all the, all the gory details.
1: (laughs) Me and bees is currently in over 1500 stores in hotels and restaurants and cafeterias in um, around 40 states. And we're still growing pretty quickly. As of December of last year, we sold a total of 1 million bottles of lemonade. And I know that's kind of old statistics. So I, I'm, I'm gonna have to get you an update on that one because it is 2020 at this point.
0: Oh, wow. So when you think about those numbers and especially, you know, where you started from an actual lemonade stand to the, the volume of business you're doing now, what are some of your feelings? Are you proud of yourself? Like how, how do you absorb all this success?
1: I mean, what I've done to absorb the success is just keep going and and try to be creative and come up with new ways that I can either save the bees or inspire people through the business or through the nonprofit or through public speaking. So it's kind of it's kind of just adding things to my story. That's what this book has become. And It's it's a new way because I've been doing this for 10 years. It's kind of it's kind of long. But by adding things, it keeps me interested and has me it gives me a bunch of new ways to reach the people who I would love to connect with.
0: Do you ever feel burnt out sometimes?
1: Yes, sometimes I think, (laughs) you know, I'm not even going to say no. I'm always like, like there are times when I am about to do an like have an amazing interview or like an, an awesome presentation and I'm just like man I did three of these or I I didn't prepare enough for this I don't know if I'm ready so from those instances I've learned what like burns me out the most and I'm able to I guess like learn from those I think one of the main things is ha- like listening to one of my favorite songs before before an interview or presentation and that always gets me in the mood but also i've realized that i really enjoy like i really enjoy learning whether it's from people who i'm talking to or it's like a cool new fact that i can say in a presentation or in my book and so as long as i can keep on learning which honestly you can never know anything so it's always i'm always going to be learning then it always keeps me interested
0: so now you have to disclose what's the song you listen to
1: it's not really it's not really specific genre, but I've been listening to Gorillas, Caravan Palace and Wow by Beck. Just a random song in there. Also, Do It by Chloe. Chloe <laughs> and Howe.
0: So this is a very active life. I mean, I know you're, you're 15 and as we're taping this, you're coming up on being being 16. But um, is there any part of you that, you know, do you go through moods or periods where you sort of wish that, you could just focus on maybe just, you know, being a kid and and just doing that part of it and not have to worry about this huge national business that you're also running at the same time. Like, uh, what's that balance for you look like?
1: Um, yes, there have been times. And and what's allowed me to get through them is making sure that I have me time or I have like weeks where I just say, no, nope, we're going to move this to the next week or or. I mean, that's one of the hardest parts is knowing when I have to say no to different opportunities because even though they may be amazing, I'm still a student and I'm still a 15-year-old. I still need time to unwind or spend with me or friends and things like that. And so um, knowing when to say no, figuring out what opportunities I'm really excited about is probably what balance looks like for me and then also having a great team, whether it's just like my family, because Me and the Bees is a family run company, but it's my family. And then it's actually grown into having an ops team and sales team and marketing that keeps the business running. So I am able to take breaks.
0: So what does me time for you look like?
1: A lot of reading, like staying up really late reading, because I mean, why not? Um, I rollerblade pretty much every day. I Garden. So I have a garden on the side of my house. I also have pet chickens. You, so. you garden? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's kind of a given because I, I help save the bees. But yes, I don't have bees myself because I live in downtown Austin and my neighbors wouldn't be so happy about that. But they they can come in as visitors.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so of all those activities uh, that you mentioned, um, you said that you, you love to read. So give me some of your favorite books that you might recommend to other people who are into those.
1: I'm 15. So I read mostly adult, young adult, but I really recommend any Neil Schusterman book because uh, he has some really cool books. I think it's mostly fantasy, but he has some really cool books. And then I'm reading... Jumpa Lahiri, um, interpreter of maladies, and also a finance book for entrepreneurship club called like the little book that still beats the market.
0: So <laughs> Okay. Now I, I read somewhere that you're fluent in Spanish. Is that true?
1: Yes. I think you know what I think because I'm not able to practice it as much right now, I'm kind of forgetting it, but I am because I go to an international school, I go to a boarding school even though I don't board. Um, there are a lot of boarders, and then also all throughout elementary and middle school, a lot of my friends spoke Spanish. So I was kind of able to learn it and practice it at their houses and, and things like that. And I've taken Spanish since then. So it's, it's kind of cool because we'll get messages on the website in Spanish, and my mom's like, I can't respond to this. Like, like what does it say? And I get to use what I've learned in classes in a whole new language for business as well.
0: So I I assume um, with, you know, you being well into your teenage years, you're probably giving some thoughts to to college. So right now, who's kind of on your list of places that you might you think you might want to go to college?
1: I think some things that I would really like in a college are very diverse. So maybe HBCU, maybe a school that has lots of international students because I that's what my high school has. And I really enjoy that. Or like exchange programs. I would like a good business course because that's a subject that I'm interested in, which is business or entrepreneurship or investing. OK,
0: so you're so you're not going to give me any hints is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I don't even have any myself. Like I, I have not I don't even have a list yet. I know most people. I don't know. I think most people in junior year do. I don't even have a list. So,
0: well, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a big university. Um, there's a big university there in texas that would probably love to have you as a student so um i don't know if university of texas is gonna let you leave austin
1: you know my my dad is more than eager to get me out of texas at least out of that like out of the house out of austin but i'm not sure my dad's pretty excited he's like "Mm, school out of texas would definitely be nice
0: well, I am sure wherever college you decide to to go to, they're they're going to have an awesome and amazing student. Um and look, I feel like like a big time athlete, you should be getting recruited right now. Like there should they should be lined up at your house to make sure that you come and become a student at their university. But listen, I got a, a lot more I want to ask you about including your visit or with a former president, Barack Obama. And let's talk about what you're going to do for your 16th birthday. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and be back with more from Michaela Ulmer. So uh, you are coming up on your 16th birthday. Is it kind of a bummer that you have a milestone birthday? <laughs> And then yet we're kind of all on restriction right now. Like, how are you handling the maybe a little bit of the letdown from that?
1: Yes, it is. I think it, there's a lot of there's me, but there's also just a lot of companies or just people who had really big things planned for this year and that they're ca- and they're canceled uh, just overall. And I don't know, finding a way to compensate for that by having fun events or maybe pushing it off like having a a sneak peek now and then doing the actual thing next year when this dies down and becomes less of a a risk is is definitely probably what we're going to do definitely probably probably
0: (laughs) so how um for your own business like how what were there any setbacks that you suffered because of, of covid and what were they
1: so at the time which was early early this year, Me and the Bees was preparing for our busiest time of the year. We call it lemonade season because it's hot, especially in Texas and just the states that we're big in. It's pretty hot. And so we're preparing. We had multiple stores that were planning on launching the product at their locations. And like they were already confirmed. We had already produced. And then when COVID hit, they had to cancel that. A lot of the restaurants and cafes that had the product also closed their doors and so we like other businesses had to completely shift so we started saying okay where are people already going out of necessity like grocery stores let's target those and then also improve our our online because before because me and the beads is is in glass and it's a liquid it's pretty heavy to ship but we were able to find a way that By shipping more bottles, we could get the shipping costs down and make it more affordable and accessible. And then also just finding new stores that were still that were open or that had their own delivery services and actually building those relationships for even past COVID.
0: So um, with your friends, I assume they're all aware what your professional life is is kind of like. Um, uh, how, is that challenging at all for you in terms of either making friends or even maintaining friendships? Because you have such a robust personal life, or professional life, rather.
1: Um, it's 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 not a challenge in maintaining friends or or making friends. I don't think I don't think having a business makes me makes me popular. I guess not a, not as popular as I don't know star varsity athlete. I'm not sure, but. I hang out with people who are similar to me in ways that they have their own interests and passions. And so we support each other with that. Even if we don't know a lot about what they're doing, we're always supporting each other with that. I would say that there are times when I've had to decline some really fun events to do a cool thing with me and the bees, but it's always, could we like either reschedule the event or make it up by doing something fun afterwards. Um, So, that's how it goes for that.
0: Mm. So, but I mean, you, you've you been on TV a lot. So uh, your friends don't think that part is at least cool?
1: Yes. I mean, yes, they're so supportive of that. I think, I don't think I do a good enough job of, of advocating for mean to be at least at my school or to my friends. Sometimes I, I should be talking about this more. I, how much should I be talking about this? Like, how much is it where it's like just saying what's update, like updates for the company versus what's bragging and just, I guess, talking about the company too much. And so usually I err on the side of not even giving updates, which I should be doing. But um, they're they're always like, like, tell me when my next, even my grandparents, I was like, tell me when your next thing is. I want to tune in.
0: Uh, Tell me you've gotten them to at least sell some of your um, uh, lemonade in in your school tell me they've done this
1: (laughs) yes so we've donated lemonade for example on mlk day my school actually has school but instead of doing regular classes we do things to i guess force the students to hey let's learn about um mlk day so sometimes it's going to the mlk day march in austin Sometimes this year for my grade it was watching just mercy um in theaters and they had a a whole theater that we got to go and watch just mercy in um for another time it was having panels speak and so what me and the bees did for mlk day was donate lemonade to the march so that my school and also other people who were marching could have the product so there's things like that where we'll donate to bake sales or things like that but i haven't sold it maybe i should try selling it to the bookstore here (laughs)
0: <laughs> you should. Right. <laughs> Why not? Um, I know you probably over the the, the course of of your 10 year journey with this business, done a lot of cool, amazing things. But I have to imagine that uh, meeting President Barack Obama has got to be somewhere at the top of the list. So uh, explain how it is that you two um, wound up collaborating together and, and what happened.
1: So, yes, meeting Uh, Barack Obama or Mr. Barack Obama is definitely at the top of the list as well as um, Miss Michelle Obama and that came about actually first with connecting with Miss Michelle through her let's move so she founded The kids State dinner, which is where kids can come up with recipes and submit them to the White House. And so even though I didn't have a recipe, her team reached out to my family and invited me to go and hear the speakers, try some of the recipes that the White House chef made. And that that was crazy. Like getting an email from her team inviting me to go out was amazing. And then we had i think it was a surprise visit from president obama and so we fist, we shook hands and i thought that would be like my white house experience but i got invited back again in the next year for the white house easter egg roll and that was right after we had gone on charting after we finished changing the name and so we were able to launch the new brand change at white, the white house to three point five hundred families and That was amazing. And I thought that those would have been my wife's experiences And the United State of Women actually changed my speaking engagement at their conference. From doing a workshop to introducing the president. They called and said, hey, we'd like to change your engagement. I think you'd be the perfect person to introduce the president. And so that was that was that was the most recent. That was right before his term ended. And he actually said, like, I'll be on the job market in a couple of months. So I hope she is hiring, which is pretty cool.
0: With you having had that experience uh, with the Obamas, um, you know, were you were you nervous at all? Because I can't imagine introducing the the former president. Uh, so were you nervous about this or you seem so comfortable like speaking publicly anyway. But was this maybe a time where you actually got a little nervous?
1: Yes, I I did. And that happens for multiple things, especially this one, though. And I always say you're nervous, like you get those butterflies because it means that you care about something. And I really, really cared about meeting them. I really cared about introducing former President Obama. And I think that that nervousness, but also that caring for it really improves what you do there. So I was able to put a lot of work into making a a speech that actually inspired My book, the the dream like a kid idea came from my speech for introducing president and how he encourages people to dream big. And the biggest dreamers are kids. And that's what I was able to use in business.
0: Speaking publicly is not easy for everybody, but you seem to really be very natural when you do it. But, um, you know, I could be wrong about this, but was this something that you had to grow into when it came to public speaking or was this something that you were always kind of able to do?
1: It was something that i was able to grow into i and i wasn't always able to i mean i was outgoing but actually publicly speaking especially when it came to new people or people who were older than me i had to get used to and the first time of me remembering this was when i was at my first stand i was dressed up in this bee costume that was my mom's idea and i had my first customers and I hid behind the stand because I was like, I don't know these people, I can't talk about my idea to them. And um, my mom said, or actually maybe may have been my dad, like, go on, you've worked so hard on this, you know more about this idea, just, just talk about your lemonade. And so that was the first time. The second time was when I was around eight and I wanted to do workshops teaching families about the bees. And so I I got an offer to do one at a store in Austin. I came up with like a whole tripod and I brought seeds and bee friendly flowers. But I remember when looking at The kids who were were sitting there, some of the kids were older than me. And I was like, I can't do this. They're older than me. And my mom said, everyone has something to teach, but everyone also has something to learn. And you know about the bees and you realize that a lot of people don't know about the bees as well. So what if you're able to teach that to them? And so that was another thing that helped me build the confidence that would then take me on to Shark Tank and introducing the president. Like That was something that I, I had to build and grow and I'm still doing today.
0: You have already accomplished so much, but I'm sure there's a list of things that you still want to do when, um, this is a crazy question to ask somebody who has a company as successful as yours, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, When you think about what you want your next five years or or what you want to be in 10 years, um, what are some of the things that come to mind about what you want to do and what you want to accomplish?
1: The first thing is I would like to be able to, I guess, look back on, things that I'm doing now, whether it's interviews or, I don't know, presentations and think like, wow, I've grown a lot since then. Like, like not necessarily cringe, but maybe think just, wow, I I've grown a lot or I've learned a lot more since then. That's the first thing. And I think what comes along with that is school, but also as for business continuing growing me and the bees and going to 50 states or beyond, maybe starting, other companies or figuring out a way that I can support other companies or invest in other female owned or black owned businesses, or even like youth owned businesses. I think that would be pretty cool. Cause, cause finding funding while I was growing was something that was hard. And, and even though I had an amazing product and if I can do that for other businesses that are starting up, I think that would make a big difference. So that's one thing that I would like to learn how to do in the future. And then also continue having, valuable conversations that teach me something. And yeah, always always getting new perspectives.
0: Yeah. One of the things I, I guess I should have mentioned, I mentioned Damon John's investment in the company, but you also had a huge group of NFL players that decided that they wanted to also... Um, invest in in your company it was 10 nfl players one of which is a friend of mine arian foster wow yeah yeah arian's a friend of mine and so we
1: talked actually we did a we did a book launch with a bookstore in houston and we were talking about people who were pretty cool that both of us knew and your name actually came up look at that he was like do you know her i can connect y'all i can connect (laughs) i can connect you guys
0: aaron always looking out i appreciate him but yeah yeah 10 players that gave you um, invested over $800,000 in your company. What did it mean to you that these guys from the NFL decided that they wanted to invest in you?
1: It meant so much to me. I think also to my dad, because he also is just a big fan of football and knew these guys too. But for me, it was just realizing that there are still so many people I caught, I'm going to say like believers, I have to add a B pun, but there are believers who are like willing to invest in my mission to keep it going. And that meant a lot. I think I also learned from them how, even though they're athletes, they still wanted to use the money that they got for good. So they put part of their money in savings. They put part of it for spending, but also investing. And that may have been where I like, my dream of doing that for other businesses came from. I'm not sure, but I think part of it came from that. And also it allowed me and the bees to continue scaling. And we were able to have a team that wasn't just the family. We were able to get an office to scale the production to a new um, facility that Let's us produce like seven thousand gallons of, of lemonade in a day, which is kind of unheard of. Especially because we started with only being able to produce five hundred. So it was it was pretty cool all around for inspiration, but also for mentorship and learning. And then financially for me and the bees, that was it was over eight hundred and ten thousand dollars.
0: Now is I, I know you you changed as you you, you changed the name. It was Bee Sweet, and then it became Me and the Bees. It seems like you're your in your intention is for this to be a family owned affair. Um what does it mean to you that, you know, your legacy will be creating a family business?
1: I have some a lot of respect for family run businesses, especially now during COVID, where Jacob's at home. Jake's my younger brother, head of photography. He's at home doing his online classes, sometimes playing video games. My dad's doing his Dell work and usually on conference calls. My mom's head of marketing. She's doing like website updates on conference calls for that. I'm on classes or doing podcast interviews also. So it's amazing because we've realized as a family what strengths we each have. So Jacob's head of photography, my mom's chief marketing bee my dad is chief worker b because when i started he was the one heavy heavy lifting all of the boxes of lemonade so that's what he's good at now he's helping us with, with ops and then i guess i'm queen i
0: i'm deo so how do you all as a family how do you handle disagreement
1: i don't really like remember a, a specific oh i do I think right now I'm going to say we, we handle disagreements with a taste test because that's the most relevant disagreement that I can think of. But when it comes to having disagreements for the operational process of Me and the Bees, it's usually getting some expertise or advice from one of our business partners or investors or someone on our board. And those are all people who we, who we are in contact with to make sure that we're making the right decisions, even if there's like an internal conflict, that we're making the right decisions for the business.
0: When you, um, I guess, before COVID, when you would go to a, a restaurant or um, somewhere else and you order something different to drink, would you feel guilty?
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I never get tired of my lemonade. I I haven't gotten tired of my lemonade. I, I still love all my flavors, but no, I'll get lemonade. All the I get lemonade at places, and my friends are like, oh.
0: Do you judge their lemonade? A
1: little bit. Yes. (laughs) Where's the flavor? So sometimes. But um, no. And and you know what? I'm going to just bring it, put it this way. Um, I'm I'm learning about my competition by trying these different drinks. So
0: yeah, you could call it field research. (laughs) All right, Michaela, before I get you out of here, there's a fun game I like to play with my guests called This or That, where I give you two choices. You have to pick one. Okay, can't weasel a lot of it, so you have to pick one. All right, so I think you'll be more than equipped to handle this game. I'm told these were your f- two favorite subjects, so that's why I'm I'm asking. Uh, so, math or science? Science. Science, really?
1: Because science builds off of math, first of all. And I like math, but math sticks to numbers. Science. You can do food science, you can do environmental science, but you still use numbers. So I say science because you can go out into the field and you know do labs and things like that, but also use math.
0: Okay, makes sense. Uh, Beyonce or Rihanna? Mm, I think I
1: think Beyonce.
0: You know that took you a little too long. You, I know you're not in Houston, but you live in Austin. That's close enough.
1: <laughs> I, I know, I know. Okay, but I, I would still like to meet both of them. So that's where, that's where I was like, oh, but yeah, Beyonce. All right,
0: are they are they at the top of your sort of list of people you would love to meet?
1: Definitely, and then also the top of list that people say that I should meet. Like they're like, oh, it would be great if the two queen bees could get together, do like. You know, so it, it kind of makes sense. A whole campaign.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's brilliant. We're going to put that out in the atmosphere. It'll happen. Um uh Barack or Michelle?
1: I, I, I've looked up to Miss Michelle Obama. So I, I've looked up to both. But Miss Michelle, because she was, I think she's the first person who invited me to the White House. So that's part of it. But also to me, she's someone who kind of does it all. Like she does... She's an author. She's a mom. She's a public speaker. She was a first lady, a very active first lady. And I would say that she's an, an activist as well. So it's Michelle.
0: All right. Now, this may be the toughest one. Um, and this is why I saved this one for last. All right. Your lemonade iced tea or prickly pear?
1: Oh, you really did your research for these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Um, I know. Some yeah. <laughs> uh, prickly pear. It is good. I love the iced tea. I love the iced tea. It was inspired by um, my grandpa's iced tea lemonade. Every summer we go there, he makes great iced tea lemonade. I've learned how to make it. But the prickly pear is a cactus that's grown in the South. I love all the flavors, but prickly pear is probably number one. That's the number one bestseller, too. So
0: It's the best. The, the number one bestseller. Wow. I might have thought it, it was lemonade
1: iced tea. No. It's Prickly Pear. Prickly
0: Pear and Ginger. And Ginger. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for joining me. I know you have an extremely busy schedule. And it's not often that I get to have BEOs on this podcast. So thank you for being the first BEO that's on here. And good luck with everything. And um, your parents, man, I tell you, they did an amazing, amazing job. I mean, you, you're you great. But really, a lot of credit kind of goes yes. to them.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I just remember me... Telling them that I wanted to get my product in bottles because it was a local pizza store that said, if you can find a way to bottle your product, I'd like to carry it in my store. I remember like asking them about it and they had no experience in the beverage industry. But instead of completely shutting it down, they said, okay. like, how are we going to do this? What are your next steps going to be? And we eventually made it happen. And so it's kind of kind of like the same today so i'm really grateful for them for
0: that all right well uh uh, good luck with everything i can't wait to figure out or find out what school you're gonna go to and enjoy your 16th birthday uh for my regular listeners y'all know the segment that's coming up next because i don't want to swear in front of Michaela. i'm not going to say what it is but you guys know what the segment is so that's up next on jamel hill is unbothered So it took all of 2.2 seconds for the narrative to switch to how people who voted for Joe Biden need to extend an olive branch to Trump supporters and treat them with kindness so that we can unite as a country. To which I say, with all the disrespect, fuck that. And fucking I'm bothered that anybody would even ask those of us who have spent the last four years vocalizing how inept, corrupt and racist Donald Trump is to extend anything other than a fuck you to a lot of bigoted people. They want us to be on some turn-the-other-cheek shit, and I just can't do that. See, for the last few years, Trump supporters have threatened my life, called me every manner of nigger that can be thought of, called me cunts, told me to drop dead, told me my mother should have aborted me, tried to get me fired, and went after many people in my circle. As that great philosopher O-Dog from Minister to Society said, hell no, nah, I ain't letting that shit ride. See, I can't do to them what they did to me because if I did, I'd be in jail. So they just gonna have to get this work. As in, don't expect to be welcomed back into the rest of civil society. Don't start talking that can't we all get along shit. I'm not here for the performative, it's just a difference of opinion shit. Because you can't have a difference of opinion with people who are racist or people who wanna double down on bigotry. There's no common ground there. So stop asking people to have some. Besides, the assumption is that a new president is gonna get them to simmer down. But I see just the opposite happening. Many of them will likely be as hateful and as evil as ever, through the course of Joe Biden's presidency. So until then, I'm just going to stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify and Unbothered Inc. From Unbothered Inc., Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Rich Berner is our technical director and Evan Dick is our executive producer. From Spotify, executive producer is Erica Clark and project manager is Jessica Dow. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Please remember to subscribe and share with your friends.